Tonight, it's the golden ticket as Bulldogs fans prepare to invade the land of the Giants. While injuries prove a giant headache for the Swans, another piece of JT magic keeps the Cowboys' premiership defence alive and the Wallabies on a roll. Two on the trot. Woohoo! 30 years on, how the tide test is still creating drama. And modern pentathlon champ Chloe Esposito is our special guest. Fun for all the family on the back page live. Wanted to run around in the baggy green. Want to be on TV shows like this where we can have a laugh. Never ever give up. They think we're not strong enough, but we just beat the world. Their sixes are gold. I got pucks in the back of the head regularly. It was just unfortunate it was from a coach. Yes, hello, buddy. Welcome to the show. Let's get to the best panel in the business. Wow. Disgruntled Adelaide supporter Kelly Underwood and disgruntled Bronco supporter Robert <laughs> Craddock. I'm sorry for your loss. I'm sorry for your loss. Over this side, disgruntled Hawthorne supporter Jules Schiller and disgruntled former Manchester United player and Hawthorne supporter Mark Bosnich. I'm sorry for your loss. I'm sorry Good for evening. your loss. Good evening. Wow. Lovely Great to see all of you. It's good to be a nice. winner. All right, before we get to uh, your collective pain, <laughs> let's start with another fine example of what sport is all about. Brit Jonathan Brownlee was leading the World Triathlon Series Grand Final in Mexico when the heat got him 700 metres from the finish line. Look at this. And here comes the cavalry. This is in the shape of his brother, Alistair. Grabs him and takes him the 700 metres to the finish line. This is just That's beautiful, superb. isn't it? It's right. lovely. And they're a quirky couple too. They yeah. normally help each other on the swim and the cycle leg and then it's all bets off on the run, run. the best yeah. man for himself. Remind and in the pub on the way home, I think. <laughs> 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 I was going to say, it was like the Christmas party last year. <laughs> <laughs> Me and you crashed. <laughs> but they're collapsing everything. But they're a funny little duo. Like in the in Rio, uh, Alistair, they were jogging beside a drink cart, and Alistair was on the outside and gestured to a drink, and Johnny grabbed a drink on the inside of him. And then he thought, no, actually, buggier. And he poured it over himself. His <laughs> brother was really filthy. So they've come from that to this, brothers in arms. And so to it's think good. that he was fighting it out, Alistair, who won the gold at Rio, yeah. fighting it yeah. out for second place to see that and concede. Yeah. That's why we love sport, isn't great. it? Absolutely brilliant. brilliant. That good. is what it's about. All right, the Giants uh, Bulldogs preliminary final is almost a sellout. I think 700 tickets this evening as we speak. The fact they only had to sell 24,000 tickets, that don't amount to a hill of beans, does it, Kel? <laughs> <laughs> Well, look, a couple of hundred tickets still left for this much-talked-about controversial preliminary final. I guess, in a sense, the AFL's decision's been vindicated. There was a lot of hoo-ha, particularly in Melbourne, over the weekend that, you know, there was going to be this lockout and hundreds of Bulldogs fans were going to miss out. Well, if you're a massive fan, AFL fan, Bulldogs fan, Giants fan... Two days in, you can still get a ticket. Mm. So, look, I, I think it was the right decision. I can see the, you know, sort of each way, but a half-field stadium at ANZ... Taking it to the SCG is just ridiculous because you're yeah. trying to make in-grounds in Western Sydney. Mm. So what, do you, what sort of message would you be sending I to your fans? You play all season for home advantage. This comes up in every code every oh, year. Think... Where do you want to play the, the actual final series? But at the start of the season, really, you shouldn't be saying to people then, well, the higher you finish, that you're going to have a home advantage if you're going to take that away from them. And they'll sell those 700 well, tickets. By well, that so. argument, the Swans shouldn't have played at ANZ then because ANZ yes, is nowhere near the Swans' yeah. heartland. So yeah. I, I don't agree. I think the SCG would be a great venue for football. But what, what sort of message are you sending to your fans when you've done the hard yeah. yards for five years, you've got your players out in all the local schools, we're here for you, we represent you, oh, it's our showpiece game mm. and we're going to go to eastern Sydney 
and we expect, that you, all, that we expect yeah. you all to follow. I mean, if I was a fan in the local area, I'd be pretty annoyed with that. Mm. The, the Bulldogs fans, they have waited a long time to get to a, a grand final, as we know, about ten times as long as the Giants have actually been alive. Now, fans are thrilled, obviously, to get their tickets. The club was quick to tweet about the chance to join the travelling uh, dog pack to Sydney. Now, if we can have a look, there it is there. What I love about it, there it is, the, the bus, the line down the bottom of the asterisk, Actual bus not pictured. <laughs> <laughs> just to clarify. <laughs> just to clarify, that's not the bus you'll be going in. You can in. tell it's not a footscray bus because it still has its wheels. Well, well, it's <laughs> we can show you the actual yeah. bus. It's the same oh. one that took fans to the MCG for last <laughs> premiership in 1954. <laughs> Get on board that. Bulldogs fans, it's brilliant, wow. isn't it? You've noticed something. Roy Masters today writing about GWS and how they fit within the entire scheme of things. Yeah, I thought he made a Terrific point. As, and I've sensed the vibe all throughout Sydney and certainly Melbourne that people think that GWS are the AFL team, not Sydney's team per se. And of course, we'll have, you know, there'll be lovely little stories about their supporters, but the heart and soul of Sydney, have they really got it yet? Or do people just sort of say, no, that's the transplant team, that's the the, uh, the test tube team sort of thing? I, I, I've sensed that. Well, it, I mean, it's called progress, I think, Crash. Yeah. I mean, it's about developing mm. the code and national expansion, and you have to start somewhere. I mean, I've mm. been out there and commentated most of their home games for the last two yep. years, and they do have fans. Sure, they started with family and friends, but it is building. Yep. You can't... If you're going to start a new club... I mean, it's the... the highest-growing population in Australia makes smart business mm. sense to put an AFL club out there and take on the other codes yep. at their own game. But you can't just, you know, click your fingers and have a club emerge. You I, have to start got somewhere. It. But it's, it's a young team. They play tough footy. They're, they're perfect yep. for there. I think they will become eventually, especially if the success continues. I guess it's the speed of how good they're going to be. Like, they're going to do it in five or six years. To me, yep. GWS, it's like Clive Palmer in a game of musical chairs. When the music stops, they're going to crush... Crash teams <laughs> one by one. <laughs> and it, it, beating Hawthorne, pe people don't like that in a preliminary final. They would have thought, well, you know, they've dethroned someone who's won too many grand finals. Mm. But beating the Western Bulldogs, I reckon, could create a bit of a negative backlash in Victoria because they are a team that has suffered so but long sure in the Sure, they've been handed quite a bit, but at the same time, they've built a great culture. Mm. I mean, handing draft picks doesn't equate to winning a premiership. Melbourne Storm won a premiership in their second year. Do we look back and go, oh, that hasn't been good for the national competition? Yeah, I do, because they beat the Dragons. West Coast, <laughs> West Coast Eagles made the finals in their second mm. year of the competition. The Adelaide Crows made finals in the third yeah. year of their competition. Yeah. This is just their fifth year Considering the area that they're the in, where, yeah, where football and rugby league reign yeah. supreme, they, they need to be a winning team to have any type of chance. And, look, I feel a little bit sorry for them in a way. Um, because they started around the same time as the juggernaut that was the Western Sydney Wanderers in football started mm. as well, and that really took off in, in terms of the support. But you're feeling sorry for them. Well, in, in a way, five, I think because they're one win away from a grand yeah, final. In year five. So if you look at the Western Sydney Wanderers in comparison, that started yeah. from the outset. And, and I think, like, like I said to you, if they were in, say, another part of Australia, where there wasn't such support for football in this case, I think they would be far more yeah. popular. They're getting they young be. fans. In fact, you've got a family crisis, I think, Jules. Uh, oh. Talk us through what's going on. Uh, yeah, it was the <laughs> Sophia support your team at school day, and uh, oh, no. I had a giant scarf. In. <laughs> She's um, yeah, she she actually does generally love the Giants. So well, yet I, her father's still tied to the mast of Hawthorne it, sinking fast. It's yeah. the ultimate betrayal, and I say this to you, Sophia, because Sophia wants a, a phone, and she's almost old enough to have a phone. So enjoy the iPhone too, which is. Uh, <laughs> 
She's on its way to you right now. Or the promotion to the Nokia. And Jules, your daughter then for the Giants, Bozzy, your mum Frances, yes. on board the Giants yes. as well. Yeah. You're a Liverpool I'm, boy, I'm, you should I'm, be jumping on board. Yeah, I was on the way home from a speaking gig on Friday night and I was listening on the radio to the Broncos and, and North Queensland while talking to my mum on Bluetooth, uh, authorities, if you're, if you're listening. <laughs> and also asking her, basically, you know, I was going, you know, what's going on between Hawthorne, my team, mm. and the Bulldogs? She's going, the Bulldogs win. And by the way, you should be supporting Greater Western Sydney. That's yeah, where you're from right. when you're we, born. Yeah. We should explain that Kelly loves Boz's mum because every time these two have an argument... Yes. And Boz goes home to Mum. Yes. She says, gee, I thought Kelly made terrific yes. sense. <laughs> and, and by the way, that's every time. <laughs> the Giants' uh, first coach, Kevin Sheedy, now he's got no time for Melbourne clubs, as he calls it, whinging about the advantages and pace of Western Sydney's success. People walk around with negatives all their life. Tell them to get a life. I mean, you know, I had a person tell, tell me the other day, look, it's, it's very unfair on Melbourne clubs. If you want to make a success of your club... Get your act together and start planning better than what they had previously been done. And that's including the Richmonds and all the clubs that everybody feels that, oh, it's been a hard period. Hasn't been hard for Hawthorne or Geelong. Well said, Mr Sheedy. Speaking of Hawthorne, the amazing Hawthorne dominance uh, is over. Eliminated, eliminated by those Bulldogs. Uh, and the four-in-a-row dream is gone. They have been a magnificent team uh, over such a long period. Kel, I'm not even going to talk to the people on my, this side because you know, I know what they're going to say. Oh, I was ready to zip it because I thought you would ask them. <laughs> oh, the well, Hawthorne is no more. Hawthorne fans are for one. And uh, in that second half, we really forked up. <laughs> the best way if you want to do those puns. Uh, and my dad was devastated. Um, but you like can't be devastated. Well, you, you won the last You should be around Hawks fans at the moment. Yeah. Kelly, oh, just give please. them chicken soup. Yeah, you can pat their heads. Yeah. I love these pictures though look at this dad yeah. it's okay oh yeah, beautiful Thanks, pictures mate that is you know, devastating yeah. it's a devastating story for long-suffering fans you get used to winning <laughs> to wait yeah. another 12 months for a premiership <laughs> <laughs> uh, at least one hawks fan was brave in defeat i want you to have a look at him he's just doing a terrific job check him out <laughs> yeah <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. look where you're sitting fella <laughs> Very, very brave. It can happen. You've got to be very, very careful if you don't study the seating plan properly. I hope these Raiders got a better spot at the weekend after oh, finding no. themselves. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> See him sharks. <laughs> look at the look on his face. <laughs> <laughs> Takes courage. Some people obviously got better tickets. They may have been given them, I'm not sure, because there was some high-level support for both clubs uh, at the game uh, with Hawks and the Bulldogs. There's <laughs> Cahill, look at him there. She's jumped on the bandwagon. He's the smartest. He is the he smartest is, ever. He is smart. And there's please. Melbourne Storm captain Cam Smith. A long-time Hawthorne yes. supporter. Yeah. Love so you reckon Timmy got his scarf at the memorabilia look, shop at the ground? <laughs> He's very smart. We know that he's very smart. But in terms of the fact that he's gambled well too, because when he started supporting him, he didn't yeah. know they were going to be Hawthorne and all that. But uh, very, very smart. And hopefully for Timmy's sake, the Bulldogs go all the way to the final. But from a Sydney's uh, sake, we hope there's an all-Sydney final. Quick turnaround for the Swans if they're to hope to get to that grand final. They played Geelong on Friday. They're a little bit busted as well. Jared McVeigh, you see there, has got the calf injury, uh, which, you know, it's a grade one, I think. He may be OK. Uh, Josh... <laughs> Kennedy was sensational, but there's Gary Rowan. As soon as he goes down, everybody worries him. He's had the compound fracture, he's had those knee issues. That seems like bone bruising, Kel. He Which was good news, yeah, wasn't it? You sort news. of breathed a sigh of relief when you had that. Tony, I think you've got more chance of playing at the G on Friday night.
than uh, Mark McVeigh, Gary Rowan or Callum Mills because uh, six-day turnaround, yeah. <laughs> no, <laughs> turnaround makes it really tough for the Swans. The Cats have played one game of football yep. by the time Friday night comes around in 26 days. That will have yep. an effect on them too. That's extraordinary, mm. isn't it? And I was just... at that game. That was intense. The, you know, that was a really tough hit out. The Swans look great. In that first quarter, uh, they really they just really floored the Crows. There were more tackles than Anuta's fishing trip. I like to think. <laughs> <laughs> There's Isaac Penny was great moving towards the midfield as well. It was sensational. Little Benny McGlynn and then uh, Luke Parker just bombing it and very happy. Oh, well played, Sunshine. And, but, uh, yeah, you know, yeah, this is terrific football all the way through with Dan Hannanbury. They did. They were intense, weren't they? Yeah. And then they showed all the you, skills. You think they're going to beat I think, the, I think the Swans will make the grand final. Yeah. Well, I think the Giants will make the grand final. So what are the prospects of that? An all-Sydney grand final. This is every Victorian's nightmare. They are dreading this. And don't forget, <laughs> last year the Premier thought it'd be a popular decision to introduce a public holiday on the Friday yep. so everyone can attend yeah, are they truly, the grand final Are they truly parade? dreading it? Yep. Or deep down, they, yep. they realise it's great for the game too? Yep. It'll be a ghost town in Melbourne on grand final day. Well, Every, so everyone Sydney, will go to the beach for a Sydney, nice long holiday. Correct. But Sydney GWS going through the parade on that public holiday, you reckon the, the streets won't be crowded with people, red and white streamers? There no? wouldn't be 100,000 what there is every other year. Oh, wow. I, I had lots of admiration back to that game, but the goal umpire, I don't know if you saw his work on the night. No. He, look, he had a tough time, but he handled it admirably. Here, This one here comes in and uh, from Buddy and boom, down he goes. Oh. Loses the hat, but straight up and straight back on the job. Look at Good that. that. Uh, whoop. That's dedication. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And it, same thing again. Same guy. Same guy. They always get up going on pies. <laughs> Whatever you throw at them. They could be in combat. You know, <laughs> they just, just pop back up. But <laughs> what are they brilliant. made out of? Hey. All right. Uh, look, just another extraordinary finish in the NRL with the Cowboys and Broncos going to extra time yet again. Uh, zero surprise, really, that when the pressure was on, the man to say, let me do this, was none other than Jonathan Thurston. Picks up the penalty there from the trip, uh, kicks the goal. That, of course, puts it into extra time. Then he does this. Sadly, on the on the left shoulder of Sammy Thider, he can't do it. And then the little pass back inside to Morgan. He was he's lost about five kilos, JT, from le the lead up to that game and since because he was he was ill. He uh, was crook and his first half wasn't wasn't so great, but. The moment comes, there he is. Minds were frazzling everywhere, and that guy just had the cool head. And you know what? His little dummy, coaches don't even put it on their tip sheets anymore, beware of Thurston's dummy, because everyone knows, and it still occasionally yeah. works. Yep. It, it, because it's done so subtly. Yeah. Um, he was extraordinary. You know, Jason Talmalello was remarkable. And you know what? The Cowboys get a lot of rubbish about people saying, oh, you should have signed guys like Billy Slater when they were up there. But those two lads are two of the best signings of the last 20 years by any club. They got Jason when he was 12 years old. They spotted him. And, of course, Thursday came from the Bulldogs. So, you know, that was the... The headline in the telly said it perfectly. Thank you. I mean, it was a... Just a fabulous game. It's just mind-boggling what he can do in that... So just the presence of mind and the instinct. It's almost like he sees the game unfolding before anyone else. Is, is he the best NRL player of all time? Well, I reckon if you got a list of everything that mattered, write it down on a whiteboard, every quality of a footballer, I can't see the footballer that beats him because he, he kicks goals as well. He's the guy desperate to make that last tackle. He's the conjurer. He's the first option, the last option, the option in between. So 
and he's durable. Like, you know, yeah. last Mr. Norwegian game, well, 11 years ago. Yeah. So, yeah. extraordinary. Every so game probably the same is. effort. Would you put him at top of your... Absolutely. Yeah. Ahead of Wally Lewis, effort. Andrew Johnson. No matter how important the game is, he plays at the same level every time. Just yeah. amazing. One kid who just really had a spark about him was teenager Callum Ponga. Now, he was the youngest player to make a debut in a final since I think Israel Folau. Didn't hear him press. He's got great feet. Uh, here he... I mean, was, that, that run was sensational. In fact, he even confused his uh, own players and ended up getting penalised. But, gee, has got the goods, hasn't he? Oh, yeah. Look, he reminded me of, of Brad Fittler, a young Brad Fittler, just the way he steps. Yeah. And what about his confidence when Paul Green said, have you played wing before? And he said, yeah, yeah, all sweet. So he put him in later. He said, actually, I haven't played wing before. And then he said, the final. But he, he plays about... He, he, Rugby league has rarely seen an athlete like this kid. He's excelled at about five different sports. And when I rang... His dad the other day, I said, have you got any regrets about his career? He said, only that he gave up golf. He said, because he was New Zealand under 13 champion. He was better at golf than anything. I mean, oh. and that's rare for a footballer mm. to be really good at golf. Yeah. Did, you know? Didn't uh, you also, with the Courier Mail, uh, an August journal, which we love here, obviously. Thank uh, you, Tony. Were you sent out to, or did you be part of having to write a story for a headline that had already been written about Mr... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> have a look at... Here yes, he Ariel, Ariel Pinga Ponga. Ponga, obviously, for those in the Southern so States. you're linking him to, to the AFL. Yes, the Lions have been chasing him for a couple of years and were desperate to get him and were absolutely shattered when he was named in the first-grade team for his debut because what's his journey now? How do you turn your back on that? Imagine if they won a... Pre- he could win a premiership in his third game. Mm. But they were in the mix for him. He went through their academy and they thought he was the best young talent they'd seen at his age, which was then about 15. Yeah. Mm. All right, the Raiders have uh, set up a crack at Melbourne after holding out the Young Panthers. Uh, look, I've loved this, both of these team seasons. This is Blake Austin, and I'll show you his hand in a little while, but he uh, thrashes it, gets the ball down there. Uh, they are just a great football side with Ricky Stewart at the helm. They obviously lost last week in camp, but they came back and... Uh, I mean, Panthers came back in the second they half, did. but they were too good. Yeah, not many people expected them to win this game, did they, Crash? A lot of people had, a lot, after the week before, had a lot of money on the Panthers. Mm. But I love the way, I agree with you, Tony, the way that they play the game, as well as North Queensland, is, is a real tribute to their coach as well, Ricky Stewart. Has come under a lot of criticism in the past for, for some of his, not only his antics. Mainly, mainly from this end of the table. <laughs> There'll be a vacant seat here yeah. if the Raiders but win I, it, I, honestly. Yeah, I, I there he is, obviously, yeah. on the Somebody, I think, is a, a lot of perhaps times being misunderstood because he's got this fantastic will to win. And uh, I think he's having a really... Oh, he's definitely having yeah. a really good well, season, but I think he's really matured as a coach. You talk about that will to win. He was very... I listened to a snippet of it. Very, very emotional at the players' presentation on Monday mm. night talking about a text message that he received from Mal Meninga ahead of uh, Saturday's game. And mm. I guess you make a good point. Love him or hate him, mm. he is passionate, absolutely, isn't he? Absolutely. I mentioned Blake Austin. Uh, his hand had a couple of steel pins, various bolts and the surgeon's car keys he'd accidentally <laughs> left in there. Uh, and there's the, the picture. Look at the swelling on that. Now, there's a man who then goes out and plays, yeah. full, knowing full well that the first thing you do when you, somebody puts his hand on mm. the ground is stand on top of it. When you're playing footy. Big big effort, isn't it? Because look, that's this is mid-game, getting it yeah. re-strapped. Mm. It had to be sore. Oh. You know, even just carrying the ball. And as you say, Tone, at this stage of the year, p- players are merciless. Like if oh. that hand's on the ground, you've it's got down, serious right. problems. Yeah. So it's a target, it has to be. So massive. gutsy effort. It Absolutely. really was. Melbourne's prelim final, uh, a massive game, made even bigger by the fact it's Cooper Cronk's 300th match. It's a great stage to have a milestone game like that, isn't it? 
Oh, yeah. And, and look, there he is. Can you believe that? Have a look at that face. I mean, he's Clark Gable <laughs> in another life, isn't he? And he's been through 300 games. And I always feel with this kid, he doesn't get the credit he deserves for his toughness because he's so debonair. Yep. I mean, if, he, I always, if his name was Buster and he had yeah. a big scar there and he talks like this, people would say, oh, Buster's so tough. Yeah. But Boz, a bit like Brett Lee in cricket, he was yeah. as tough as any cricketer. Yeah. Bowl fast for two decades. Because the are there any soccer players who ever... There are. There are. I mean, you naturally turn around and say someone like Roy Keane or something like that, but it's the quiet ones and perhaps the ones that... One I can remember is Ryan Giggs, who we wouldn't associate with being tough. Um, but was very because he was good-looking, because he was a target because of how good a player he was. He had to learn to look after himself or he wouldn't survive. And they're the ones you've got to watch because you upset those ones, you've got a problem. So you're saying if you're good-looking, people don't assume you're tough? Yes, exactly. Oh, that explains it with me, then. Some are ugly and whips, too. <laughs> uh, if they still have to pay him $750,000, despite the fact Robbie Farah's gone to South Sydney, the Tigers insist on getting their, mon their money's worth, uh, like sticking him on the front of the 2017 oh. Oh. Even though he won't be there. For the month's and shaft timber. So their management should have rung the Adelaide Crows because I think I'm right in saying it was this time last year the Crows released their calendar and there was no Patrick Dangerfield and then the cat was out of the bag, exactly. so to speak. When I think of gymnastics, uh, I don't usually think of big Dave Taylor. So why is he attempting <laughs> a, a backflip oh. on his own Instagram? Uh, this is the former rugby league player and... Oh, that's nasty. The own face yeah. plant. Was that, a, was that a Mad Monday? <laughs> <laughs> that's a sad thing. It wasn't. <laughs> but the boys with the Titans Saturday. and the Broncos, they'll, they'll love that. I mean, only Dave would try it yeah. and have the, the pride and joy to put it out on Instagram. And how many would actually challenge him about it? So what were you doing? Yeah, exactly. yeah. Eddie Hayson is just a simple, misunderstood, decent Aussie bloke according to Eddie Hayson. He called him bizarre media conference to tell us just that, while also denying any involvement in rugby league match-fixing. But he revealed far more about himself in a sick text to Fairfax journalist Andrew Webster, which began, you're just a weak homosexual, aren't you? And then got nasty from there. Now, Webster's written response was brilliant, and he spoke last night on NRL 360. Spoke to the NRL tonight. The only thing they can really do is ban him... Well, it's their prerogative to ban him from attending matches, and that's very hard to police. I know plenty of clubs don't want him around their, um, around their players. Uh, I don't like the guy. I, don't, I think he's a stain on the game. Everywhere he goes, there's trouble. He's toxic, and I think it's time that he, he went. Yeah, well said, Webby. Mm. What'd you make of it? Uh, well, what a bully. I mean, it's absolutely so disrespectful. It's very easy to send a text message, isn't it? If he had the opportunity to say that to his face eye to eye, do you think he would? <clears throat> I wouldn't have thought so. And I absolutely love Andrew Webster's decision yep. just to call him out because yeah, yeah. that's how you best deal with these type of people yep. is to call them out because Eddie Hayson would not have been expecting that. So, yeah. well done to him. I thought he handled it beautifully. And <clears throat> I guess, you know, there's no place for that sort of language in the NRL or in our community, full stop. Whether the NRL can actually ban him, I, I think that's a tough one because he hasn't done anything as yet that the police have found, you know, okay. any criminal... Yeah anything wrong yeah. as such. So that's a tough one. It's a good point. What you're actually getting, Mom. But, uh, yeah, I thought uh, Andrew Webster, I was so proud of him for, for doing yeah. that. But what about that bizarre press conference the other day? I mean, what an absolute buffhead. Seriously. I mean, some of the statements in it, what about um, I gave footballers and judges uh, free sex mm. uh, for the publicity? What, do, do we assume a judge stands up in court and says, 
Oh, before I uh, discharge the jury, I'd just like to say I can really recommend this brothel. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I'm seriously, that, that's the inference from it. it it's, it's downright crazy, the whole thing. He's ruining the image of brothel owners and chronic gamblers everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> Doing them a disservice. But it is pathetic, the whole thing, honestly. Yeah. yeah. All right, back to back wins for the Wallabies. Uh, what's more, there was plenty to like in their 36 to 20 win over Argentina. It's been a tough uh, season for the men in gold, but they have at last done a little bit of something. They got to absolutely slam by the uh, All Blacks and, of course, England earlier on. Uh, and then they've been bagged by such as former All Blacks coach Sir Graham. Yeah. yeah, I wanted to ask Crash about that. I mean, he came out and said that he thought this was the worst Wallaby side of all time. I thought that was rather harsh. He was pretty harsh, but two things I would say. Rugby needs more of these debates. Mm. A bit of fire and brimstone. Just liven it up. And the second thing was, yes, they did do well, but that's two test wins out of their last eight. Mm. Jeez, you know, we get pretty excited pretty quickly with the Wallabies. We've done it on this battle, don't we? They win a couple and we go, oh, they're back and all this. Mm. And he's going from the safe ground of knowing it's all blacks up there on planet Pluto yeah. and the rest of us down and here. As mm. if we wouldn't give the... If we yeah. give the all blacks, we'd be piling in on the Kiwis. Yeah, right. <laughs> Why do we get so sensitive yeah. about some seven-year-old? He probably thinks the Wallabies are around a custard powder. He probably <laughs> know what he's talking. Why do we get so obsessed with this guy? Yeah. I, I would be... But I think he's wait, wrong. I don't think he's the worst Wallaby. He's not the worst Wallaby side that I've ever seen. Then you bagged the crap out of him right there. <laughs> well, that's, that, my, that's my point. I don't think it's anywhere near the worst Wallaby side that I've seen since I've been watching the Wallabies late, basically from the late 70s and early 80s. All right. Later in the show... wrong to say that. Very Mark Bosnich is going to name the worst Wallaby side. <laughs> <laughs> Pull back all the way through his hard head I think a need to kick somebody when they're down. He obviously thinks opposite. Yeah. yeah it's all right, in uh, wheelchair rugby, the Australian men have won back-to-back -back Paralympic gold medals. They went to double overtime in Rio before the Steelers pipped the US 59-58. Pipped is the wrong word for this. It's smashed. Oh, this is one of the most brutal, amazing sports to watch. And this team has been extraordinary over a long period of time. Just great. It was, the, I think, the 22nd gold medal for Australia and final one of the Paralympics. Great effort. Well, they call it murder ball and they say it's the best sport you've never heard of. And yeah. I watched the highlights and, and some of the action. Fantastic and loud. The clunking in each other, Jules. Well, oh, the collisions still are... still out there. I think it was 11,000 yeah. yeah. or something. The Epic. collisions are incredible. You know, and uh, it slows the game down when they swap names and addresses afterwards. And <laughs> truth it does. But, no, it is... It's a brutal sport and, you know, you, you kind of forget, like, the basketball, how brutal these sports are. And for them to go back-to-back -back was incredible. Fantastic. Mm. All right, we love the inventive sports person here. Last week we showed you the rugby player who decided to go over the top of the defence, which is just such a great idea. Uh, and he's taken a little bit... This guy here, this is uh, LaGarrett Blount. And uh, oh. precisely the same path mm. in the NFL. Up and over. Look, he hits, he should actually be penalised, surely. He can kick in the bloke in the head. But still, it is a brilliant thing to watch. Well played. And as you know, last week we mentioned it. And this is just to add to our care package uh, for an NFL-deprived Jared Hayne. Here's some more weird and wonderful moments from the world of American football from the past week. First up, uh, it's our favourite. A great spoil needs a great celebration and uh, a oh, doctor. This was a brilliant evasive run uh, to the end zone. Well, almost to the end zone. We have a closer look. Uh, he's celebrating, but no. Oh, oh, make no. It. We 
goes end to end. Brilliant. Uh, look, no throwing away the pill here for Noah Brown. It's the old-fashioned romantic cuddle catch. Cuddle catch, yeah. No, I'm just uh, coming up with them. Uh, <laughs> Catching your own leaping teammate to give him a soft landing is also a great thing. Watch this. And, and oh, hey. got him. Uh, just put him down <laughs> gently. It's another cuddle. Yeah, another yeah. cuddle and another touchdown. Uh, and in a world first, uh, a player hit by a television graphic. <laughs> <laughs> there are a lot of AFL injuries with the live ladder. This yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm not sure if this uh, racing car driver hit a graphic uh, or, or an actual sign. Uh, I think it might be an actual sign because he picks it up and he decides he's going to keep going. And he just can't get away from beyond. <laughs> the thing is, it just gets worse and worse. <laughs> he can't see. The thing is just destroying the race completely, and there he is. Race over. We'll love it. Still to come, gold medalist Chloe Esposito joins us. Uh, this week's top five, plus all the hits and misses from the World Game. This scenario, you know, going to the last over, where they're, um, you know, nine wickets down and only a few runs to get, and just the, the drama that was played out was just fantastic. And would Shastri try and play the big shot just to win the game? Because we're only talking about a few runs here and there. Ravi decided he was going to tie the game up, so he knocked the ball uh, into the outfield, and uh, the penultimate ball, uh, Greg delivered it. He played back and across. Um, hit on the pads, massive shout from us. Oh, you know, just for that slight moment, I thought, hang on, we've won this, have we? The way we were carrying on, uh, it just looked like we'd won it, but then all of a sudden the realisation that, hang on, this is a tied test match. You know, this is just unbelievable. It doesn't happen. There's only been one, and uh, this was, we played in uh, number two. The match has ended in a day. And the 30th anniversary of that tied test in Chennai Madras, as it was called then, it was amazing. It was so much drama surrounding that. It was, and the sad story, that was the poor umpire, Vikram Raju, who never umpired another test match. And he's how brave well, is he? Oh, he was fairly the... quick to put the finger on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> by the way, how high did the finger go? Go on. <laughs> yeah. go on, I'm out of here. But have a look at the batsman, hold the bat in the air. That's yeah. Meninder Singh saying, I hit that, I hit that. And... That sentenced uh, poor old Vikram to a, a really rugged life mm. because they were the days of home umpires. I was going to say, there was no neutral umpires, umpires then. And these blokes were under so much pressure mm. to, to, to deli deliver the deals to the home nation. And uh, he, he, he was so nervous, you could just tell as soon as the ball hit the pad straight up, yeah. you know. But that, some people believe that's the greatest game of cricket ever played. Mm. Fantastic. It's pretty amazing things happen and parts of the game have become folklore, as you say. Dean Jones is 210, losing eight kilos, wow. several meals uh, with the heat and the humidity. He, it was quite an extraordinary performance. Greg Matthews, of course, he bowled him with a couple of jumpers. Uh, says the innings that uh, Dean Jones' innings isn't in the top 50 innings <laughs> he's seen. Yeah. Uh, do they have a bit of schism when they play together? Because I found this very, very strange. Oh, I think when they get together, they're a little bit like a sort of an old married couple. Mm. But, but they've known each go. other forever. I reckon I can read this one. I, I reckon this is Greg saying... I took my test best figures, 10 wickets in this match, get on a mind. flat wicket. <laughs> I didn't get the man of the match, which what Dean Jones shared with Kapil Dev. 
and people don't even know I played the game. <laughs> and so, in a it way... It was him bowling that last delivery that yeah, got the... Yeah. In steam bath conditions on the last day, Greg bowled 40 overs. Incredible. But I've got to say this. I'm a... Dean Jones's innings for mine was the greatest feat of human endurance by an Australian mm. cricketer. Journalists in that test were still using typewriters, some of them, and it was so humid that the uh, keys on the typewriter the would stuff. go through the paper, which was wet from the humidity. Mm. Wow. Journalists were fainting in the press box. Like, it was just scenes that you... How Jones didn't pass on, no one will ever know. It was outstanding. I read the notes on this, did a background, and the thing that grabbed me was... Ray Bright and Gastro. I read that bit. <laughs> and we were talking about making a warning telly movie like last yeah. week. Ray Bright Gastro is going to get me in. <laughs> wasn't he on the toilet? They had to drag him off and he was unconscious. And, yeah. and I mean, just, I mean, yeah. the guy had a dad, Bob, be before they were trendy. <laughs> he was playing his cricket. What an amazing story. Yeah. Yeah. All right, still with uh, some cricket, some modern cricket. Mitchell Stark, such a key for Australia this summer and, of course, beyond. Let's hope he's right for the first test after a fielding accident that slashed his leg, as you can see there. He needed 30 stitches. Steve Smith, the captain, said it was uh, one of the goriest things he's ever seen. Who designed the Oval, the Viet Cong? <laughs> <laughs> 30 stitches and there was like a submerged stump. I tell you what, this is a serious issue. I mean, everyone said, oh, he'll be right for the first test. 30 st stitches yeah. in the leg of a fast bowler is our, a serious issue. Our best player. Oh, by a substantial margin. They are half the side without him at the moment, so... This test series, and particularly the first test in Perth, which starts two days after the Melbourne Cup on November 3, mm. that is, you know, this is game on. If he's out of it, it's a very even it's contest. six weeks away. It surely, is. Surely, surely, he wouldn't be, you wouldn't think he'd be able to get up in time. Oh, it'd be even money. What did money he land on, a machete? Yeah. What was it? What did <laughs> no, he land on? He landed on some stump. metal stumps, yeah. yeah. Oh. All right, yeah, look, if you think the media's cruel mm. here, uh, what about England? Manchester mm. United coach Jose Mourinho is uh, no longer being called the special one, but the beaten one, which is so sad. Boz, uh, mm. first loss to uh, Watford in, what, 30 years? Uh, yes, and, and also the first time that Jose Mourinho has lost three on the trot uh, since 2006. Look, Manchester United, as we all know, is, is an absolutely massive club and there were massive things expected of them, but um, they're going to come under the spotlight, and, and he definitely did. And a lot of the press are writing about his individual criticism of, of Luke Shaw, which I read today, it wasn't particularly over the top, but I think uh, Jose, we should know by now because he's worked in England before and he's worked in other countries, obviously when you have a go at somebody, especially that's an England international from that same country, as we've seen with the Joe Hart situation at Manchester City, it does tend to exacerbate things. I think they'll be OK. They've still got a lot of work to do. There's obviously a lot of talk about Paul Pogba um, not really living up to his fee so far, but he's just started. We've got to be. You know, he gets really three three hundred and eighty grand a week. Yeah. Well, that's that's, that's the double going. what I earned for yeah. this show. But that's, <laughs> the going, that's the going rate, and he'll be right. I mean, a lot of people forget he played in the Euro, so it will take him a little bit of time, and it will take Jose time. But you know, he's again. People are always comparing him to Sir Alex Ferguson. Sir Alex Ferguson, when he first started, it took him nearly five years to win his first major trophy. He was that far away from getting the sack. We haven't got five years in this day and age with the money that's going around and for lack of patience, but he deserves a little bit more time. And they're looking across the road at Manchester City saying, well, Guardiola's won his first yeah, five. Done good. But they won their first seven last season and didn't yep. finish like that. And also, they've been planning for Guardiola to take over for the last three or four years. A little bit different with Mourinho. All of Jules' attention, of course, has shifted from the Hawks, you know, who've yeah. lost, uh, and AFL to Liverpool. Uh, what about that goal in there, 2-1, that went over Chelsea? Oh. Henderson's goal? Hend well, that's cracker. It's one of the goal will be one of the goals of the season. And uh, Klopp uh, has... I mean, this is his team. He didn't have his team last yeah. year, Bozzer. He, he got rid of Skirtle. He's sort of got the defence firing. And, well, he's, he's actually banned the cop from screaming Klopp. 
We've really got <laughs> so many great puns. You've got Clopperfield Road and Clop and Clop Music. And there's no Clop. Uh, Once you Clop, you just can't Clop. As a class, as a Liverpool supporter, do you think that he will take you to the Holy Grail and, and win their first title? And... Not this year, but I think in he the eventually next two. Will. I think okay. eventually he will, yeah. There we go. It's always a, a great moment for little kids to walk onto the footy pitch alongside their heroes, uh, but Swedish football team ARK uh, decided to change up at the weekend. Instead, how come the club's oldest members. That's absolutely fantastic Isn't story, Kel. Isn't it great? Yeah. It's been, it's been sort of... yeah. How long do you think, how long do you yeah. think be, be, The game was delayed for 45 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> they had to lie down. How long does a sporting side over in Australia do that, you reckon? Oh, I don't know. Maybe give it a week or so, Boz. Yeah. Maybe they could do it in the A-League this wonderful. year. That's wonderful. That's absolutely wonderful. They'll just get Adelaide Crows fans out. They'll be that age anyway. <laughs> from the cheer squad. <laughs> Why are you picking on the Crows? Mm. I don't know, because they lost. lost. <laughs> what, what, what happened to Hawthorne again? OK, right. Let's move on. <laughs> just because you're here, Boz, yeah. we love when you're here. Uh, oh, just you. a couple of uh, goalkeeper howlers for you. <laughs> this is this uh, Adam Bogdan from uh, Wigan Athletic. And just, <laughs> just oh. pushed it out a little bit too far. Pushed the boat out no hiding place. a little bit There's too far. There's no hiding place. There's nothing worse when you make oh. a mistake. Oh. 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 That. that one's no good. Oh. This one is also, I, I look, it's terrific. Uh, oh. Oh. Fresh airy. Yeah. yeah. But there is, look, a bit of an excuse. Oh, oh. Uh, bubbles. Bubble. It ha it's happened twice to me. I was just fortunate <laughs> that it went to the side. But I'm telling you now, I have made mistakes, obviously. And... When you do, sometimes you don't even get to touch the ball for the next 15, 20 minutes. All you've got to deal with is the crowd giving you stick about absolutely everything. It's not a, not a, nice, uh, not a nice thing. Well, to so they had your... so much material with well, you. Well, they, they did. They did. <laughs> <laughs> I love your got face, to... though, when it happens, when, yeah. when we show that. You feel... Your face goes really yeah. sad. You, you do feel for Empathise with yeah, them. Completely empathise with them. Yeah. Because, like I said, it's, there is no hiding place. A lot of, and a lot of, you know, one person actually told me in England once before, when I first got there, he said, you know, what, what are you doing, number one, coming from Australia? And number two, why goalkeeper? He said, you know, a goalkeeper, you're only remembered for your mistakes. And uh, he's not far off of that. All right, now, look, you've got to love it when someone does something really clever, even though they didn't know they were doing it. Like Italy's uh, Marco Verratti with his amazing water bottle <laughs> trick. Look at that. He hasn't even turned that. around yet. Just flip, flips it over and stands. Oh, oh, the only Italian thing on a soccer pitch that keeps its feet is yeah. the bottle of water. <laughs> I know, I'm sorry. Yeah. Come on, I still haven't gotten over 2006. <laughs> Which brings us to this week's top five. Of course I meant to do that moments. Brought to you by the new Holden, Colorado. It's <laughs> a big one. Yeah. And number five. Uh, young Josh Kennedy was always good at putting his toys away. Uh, that ball has gone wow. back into the box of balls. If you That's see seven. here. That's oh. <laughs> <laughs> now, this is from the Canadian Open a few years back. Uh, very clever how this player uses his play, his playing partner's ball. Uh, roll, no. roll, roll down and... No. Oh. and of course I meant oh. to do yeah, that. that. Of course that's yeah, that Absolutely. In it goes, hole in one. Uh, he's meant to do it. Number three, this is uh, Aussie Surf. You've seen this book, Mikey Wright. Um, look, he's going to claim this is always meant to happen. Loses his board, falls off, does a bit of body surfing. Back comes the board, and oh, oh, he's oh, 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 always meant that to happen. That Number two, hitting the crossbar and going over—that's that's clever. But hitting bang, 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 and then over. Oh, oh, like pinball. How good is that? That's a three off the uprights, onto the crossbar, yeah, and right. a goal. Of course, I meant to do that. Brilliant work. All right, Marcus Ambrose. Um, this he loses a, a wheel mid race in Canberra. 
how am I going to find that thing? How am I going to collect it? Well, luckily, it's a homing wheel. Uh, it knows exactly where it's going and it decides to land. Oh, there. <laughs> <laughs> How important is Davis Cup and Leighton Hewitt to the development of Nick Kyrgios and Bernard Tomic, both keen participants in Australia's 3-0 win over the might of Slovakia, Kel? Well, the news out of this tie, guys, was that there was no news. They yeah. played alongside each other, they behaved themselves, uh, they pulled out of the Olympics, they didn't want to represent their nation, but they were more than happy to pull on the green and gold and play under the leadership of Leighton Hewitt. They won the tie easily, as they were expected to do, and... Back in the main draw, it looks like they're enjoying themselves as well for next year. Yeah, they'll, they'll probably finish outside the top eight, sadly, so they'll still probably face some tough opposition when they go through. Uh, but that was brilliant. Kyrgios actually put his body on the line, for paying through the pain of a nosebleed. Uh, and uh, that's brilliant. Look at the up it goes. And uh, this is a good look for a tennis player, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, I'm surprised he didn't suck the blood out of a ball boy. <laughs> <laughs> But, yeah. <laughs> they wanted it. That was a good thing, they seem to, anyway. Danielle uh, Ricciardo keeps getting podium finishes but can't quite reach the top spot with another second in the Singapore Grand Prix. Jules, I know you watched this race. Mm. Everything went as right as it could in terms of not having quite have the speed to keep up with the Mercedes. It was a great race. Singapore's the only night Grand Prix on the camera. There's some yep. twilight ones, so the drivers can flash their lights to warn of RBTs around the track. Ricardo, he did a three-stop tragedy because he, he almost caught Rosberg. I think there was 0.4 of a second in it right at the end. Yep. Probably n was not really going to happen, but Rosberg made a mistake and would have run his first Grand Prix for the year. The yeah. most dangerous manoeuvre, I think, on the track, though, uh, came with this track official. Oh, what was he thinking? Well, they, they called the safety car in a little bit too early and he was still out on the track, and that's Nico oh. Rosberg. I tell you what, if that guy resembled Lewis Hamilton in the slightest, that would have had a very different outcome. <laughs> 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 I don't think uh, he was removing a lizard from the track, although there was uh, one. This is on board with Max Verstappen, as you can see there, highlighted on the uh, top left of your screen. Wow. Uh, I think it might be a monitor lizard, lizard Kel. Yeah, there he is. Uh, oh, straight, across, straight across the road in Singapore. Wow. Yeah. No yeah. reptiles were harmed. Uh, that, that's good reptile, obviously. Not quite up there with a the MotoGP a couple of years ago. Uh, the Cobra on the track. And look, he gets angry here. What? No snakes were harmed in the making of that video, I, I should point out. Coming up, she provided one of Australia's great moments in Rio. Modern pentathlon gold medalist Chloe Esposito joins us next. No time to rest. Pentathlon, there's a lot of variables and anything can happen. But I was just waiting for that one competition where everything fell into place and I'm so grateful that it was today. Chloe Esposito, one of the best comebacks we've seen in modern pentathlon, the gold medal to Australia. I hope a lot of children or young people watching and um, want to get into pentathlon and sort of learn more about pentathlon and know what it's all about because it's such a great sport and I think a lot of um, people in Australia love pentathlon. <laughs> Yeah, what a moment, what an inspirational win from a remarkable athlete, Olympic modern pentathlon gold medalist Chloe Esposito. Congratulations yes. and welcome. Thank you. Has it been that uh, change in life? What do you know, what's for you stuck out since that moment? Just, yeah, no, since I've been back home, it's 
being completely different to what I've been used to. A lot of sort of people sort of recognising who I am. And since I got off the um, charter flight, it was like, whoa, people know sort of about pentathlon and me and like, oh, Chloe, come here, come here, come here. But it was, yeah, no, it's been different, but no, I'm really enjoying it. I love the fact that they know about pentathlon because it's such a bizarre thing and a wonderful thing. Running, swimming, riding, shooting, fencing. I mean, it's kind of more just an adventure, really, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, a bit different. And that's one of the reasons why I love it because it's not just training for one sport. It's... Um, Always something different and exciting. Chloe, Chloe, how do you balance that, the disciplines of each sport? Because, I mean, it's hard enough to be good at one sport, but let alone five. How do you do that? Yeah, so it's a full-time job. Um, yeah. We normally have Sundays off, but we do four to five sessions every day. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's full-on. It's hard. Do you do each discipline each day? Most of them, yeah, normally. So we'll swim five times a week, run five times a week, shoot four to five times, horse ride three, fence four times, have three fencing lessons as well and two gym sessions. That's amazing. It's so, like, yeah. it's, as Tony was saying, it's like the closest sport to Game of Thrones you could have, with <laughs> shooting <laughs> and the uh, sword fighting and, of course, the yep. horse riding. And then I stalk you on your t uh, Twitter today yep. and, of course, there's Russell Crowe. Yeah, G'day I know. Chloe, <laughs> the most elegant sport of pop. Like, he tweets you and says... I, know, I couldn't believe you. that. That was probably one of my highlights. <laughs> did, did, did you tweet him back? Did you yeah, have a... Yeah, no, for sure. Of course I was going to. It <laughs> was awesome. And that, that's what we all, I guess, as Australians love about the Olympics. It mm. takes your average person, which yep. you not really an average person, an athlete, turns them into a household name overnight. Yeah. What, what, has there been one moment that's been really surreal, apart from Russell Crowe tweeting you, but really bizarre, where you've gone, oh, this is just all a bit too overwhelming? It, uh, probably the day after I won gold, when um, I was out watching my brother, because he competed as well, mm. and I went out and I was sitting in the grandstand and just everyone started coming up and asking for photos and I was like, oh, my goodness, I'm used to this. And I didn't get a like, chance to sit down. I just said, Mum, I need to go somewhere just for five minutes. And I went to the athletes' lounge and just lay down. But other than that, I'm getting used to it. But, yeah, just that day after the competition, I was like, wow, like, people want a photo with me. Just the Aussies or...? No, 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 everyone, like, right. from all different countries, yeah. So. It, it is extraordinary and, and the way it works. Now, that moment, obviously, all the event is done on the, the one day and you accrue points. And so by the end, the last event, which was the running and shooting, I would have preferred the horse riding and shooting together, but that's OK. <laughs> you, there together, you, you started, what, 45 seconds? 45 seconds behind, behind the leader. Behind the leader. Yeah. Did you know that there was... When did you give, did you give yourself the chance? Hey, I'm, I'm in this big time. Um, oh. <laughs> um, it would have been... So I know the combine is my strongest uh, event. And so before the combine, I was thinking, I know I'm going to move up a few places, but I just didn't really want to think about that. And um, it wasn't until the after the last shooting se series, I actually knew I was in the lead. And that's when it sort of hit me. And I was running around thinking, like pinching myself, because I've thought about it so many times. And I was like, it's actually happening. How about the randomness of just getting a horse, you know, yeah. seeing it for virtually the first time. Do you ever have events where suddenly you just get a mad horse and everything you've, you've worked for is suddenly gone in a, in a twinkling? Does that ever happen? Yes, no, no, for sure. I've had a few competitions where I've got a dodgy horse. Um, it depends on the country, because um, whatever country hosts the competition, they supply the horses. And, like, recently my brother was in the Junior World Championships and everything was going really well for him and he drew his horse and... It just didn't want to pick up its legs and it knocked over about 10 jumps and then that put him right down where he had a good chance of um, meddling. But... And, Chloe, growing up in, in Liverpool, in the west yeah. of Sydney, as yes. I did... Um, yeah, um, I Just thinking back to my, to, to my school time and so forth, thinking about it as a very sport-orientated city, obviously, yeah. but modern pentathlon, were you pushed into it or, or did you, was that something that when you were growing up you sort of thought, I'm going to look at that and say, I'd like to do that? No, so the only uh, reason I knew about pentathlon was because my dad used to do it and he competed right. in the 1984 Olympic Games. 
Um, but yeah, if it wasn't for dad, I wouldn't really have known about the sport. But mm. we've always like swam and um, ran from a young age. Mm. And then I always wanted to do horse riding because of the saddle club. I don't know if you remember <laughs> that. <laughs> your, your bro does your sister do shooting and your brother does? Because I'm, yeah. I'm wondering what your family Christmases are like. Yeah. <laughs> Is it having a it's few a drinks and jewelling yeah. each other and swinging? And <laughs> oh, yeah, so we're all into the sport. So Max does pentathlon and my sister's a shooter. She used to do pentathlon as well. Mm. So yeah, no, family gatherings are a bit good. Um, family competition. What about good. customs? How do you get your gun and your sword? Like, yeah. It's hard enough to get a ballpoint biro through customs <laughs> these days. You've got a gun and a sword travelling yeah. through Europe, haven't you? Yeah, so, well, especially, like, coming in and out of Australia, it's very difficult. Like, there's a lot of paperwork and everything. But in Europe, it's a bit more lenient. They don't really have as much paperwork and stuff. So I know a few of the other athletes are sort of always just hiding it. They <laughs> like, pistol. Well, it's not really a gun because it's a laser pistol. Um, yeah, because yeah. live ammo is not good with a live audience. <laughs> <laughs> we actually had the um, crowd behind us, yeah. and so <laughs> that wouldn't have ended too well, but yeah. The, the shooting, because that seemed to be the crucial element of, of obviously, because you're running, then having the stillness to yeah. be able to hit that target is key. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. So what I do is when I shoot, I come in from the run, and every time I take a shot, I hold my breath, because otherwise if I'm breathing, my arm's like going everywhere, so I just shoot and then down again until I get the five and then go. So you were 15 and just missed out on Beijing, seventh yes. in London and then winning the gold. Your brother competed in uh, Rio as well yeah, yeah. and finished first seventh. Yeah, so that was his first Olympics and finished seventh. So hopefully... And he's getting gold in Tokyo. Tokyo, yeah, bring on Tokyo. And you're up for Tokyo as well? <laughs> yeah, no, no, definitely. Yep. So have a bit of a break now. And then, so my dad and brother just got back from overseas last night, so we'll sit down and discuss everything and plan out the next four years. Mm. All right. Well, Tokyo, we wish you all the best for that. Just celebrate a little bit uh, that beautiful thing, the yes. gold medal. How wonderful for you. Congratulations. Oh, thank you. Thanks thank so much you. for joining us. Fantastic. Nice. Thank you. Well Brilliant work. Thank Coming you. up, our champ of the week. Stick around. Welcome back. To be honest, uh, it wouldn't take much to get me to stop running a marathon. Uh, this will do it. A, a train rolling through the course in the US in the marathon. Does, yeah. does nobody just consult the actual timetable of the trains? <laughs> just got to call it off, don't you? Just, like, we've got to call it off. That, that, as you saw, there's some of them were having to get qualifying times for the Boston Marathon. <laughs> and there's always, you know, there's always someone who just keeps jogging. You know when you're at a, a pedestrian <laughs> crossing and that's just, <laughs> the idiot runs up? Like, so I'm just like, give it a rest. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I, I can't explain this. I'm not sure exactly how to explain it. Just have a look at it. I think it's called ladder racing. Uh, that's exactly what they do. It might be something for the uh, fire service. Wow. Uh, oh, look at this. Up what? goes the ladder. Spider-Man. It's brilliant, isn't it? And one last leg. You fast-forwarded it. In, saves the baby. Is that a regular pace, at regular speed, that, that shot? No, we fast-forwarded. No fast-forwarding. Time now for our champ of the week. Doesn't get much more deserving than Australian Paralympic gold medalist Curtis McGrath, who won his canoeing event in Rio. And McGrath lost both legs to an improvised explosive device serving in Afghanistan in 2012. Told his mates as they carried him uh, on a stretcher that he'd be a Paralympic champion. Well, he is that and so much more. What a story. actually got to carry the flag at the closing ceremony. Fantastic. Well done, Champ of the Week. Well done, you. Uh, well done, team. Thank you, Squires. Love to spend some time with you. Goodbye. See you next week. This has been a production of Fox Sports.